You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, um, I heard some quotes out about banking on logic regarding a certain player in free agency, but when we're talking about the AFL, banking on logic is not always uh, the right way to go. It's not, particularly at this time of year, or I shouldn't say this time of year, but the uh, the trade period and player movement period and leading up to the draft. Uh, honestly, you never really know what's going to happen, and we've certainly had a, a little bit of an interest in 24 hours. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the Crouch stuff in a, in a little bit here, but a uh, strange turn of events there. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, with conflicting reports coming out, Tom Brown saying they were going to match, so of course they didn't match the uh, the free agency deal. There that St. Kilda signed, his uh, manager coming out said, you know, this is his quote, if I was banking on logic, I would have, I'd have thought they wouldn't match it. They were always consistent, they would not offer a five-year deal, so I would have been shocked and surprised if they changed their mind and matched the five-year deal. So now they get a pick somewhere in the 20s, of course, we have no idea where that'll be, because... We don't know if there's going to be any other compensations and academy bids. It's probably going to push out three or four more picks from there uh, into the into that second round area. Um, again, like we talked about it yesterday, I don't think it's I don't think it's too unfair of a pick. I, I, actually, I do. I think it's too much because you should get zero for these picks. But in terms of, uh, it's obviously way more reasonable than pick two uh, would have been. But uh, that's the situation. But we had some other moves because trade period officially opened and we've talked a lot about Brad Crouch and guys like that but we'll talk a little bit more about that later on but some trades got done uh, we we talked about yesterday would one get done on the first day we had uh, we had three moves go down straight away yeah Oleg Markov with the guy with a, a beautiful mustache and a pretty good sized player actually 188 centimeters uh, so good size plays out on a wing half back we saw him break into the Richmond side uh, this year through that middle patch of games uh, when my guy Derek Smith was on fire for the Tigers as well. We saw a bunch of guys come in because they had all their key players out. He got squeezed out when finals came around, as he has basically each of the last four years. He has never played more than eight games in a season, 23 games uh, in four years all up. He is uh, just 24 years old, so still very young, but another Richmond player uh, got pushed out here, and uh, they've traded him to Gold Coast for a future third rounder and Markov as we said the Richmond their hub was directly across the road from Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast so he's been there all year he said this is a place I want to live Gold Coast Suns are a team that are on the rise I think there's a spot for me to play here maybe he spoke to Brandon Ellis and asked him about the club as well but another Richmond player uh, gets squeezed out uh, from the fringe. Yeah, and this is what happens when when your teams are as good as they are, and this is the idea of the of this of the system and how these systems should work. It's about these players who need extra opportunities and have opportunities with other teams who have cap space to get money. Um, yeah, exploring that, we saw that with Alice. We saw that well, not that he needed a space in the team, but he wanted something different. We saw that with Butler. We're probably going to see it with Higgins. We're seeing it with Markov. That's what just happens with these teams when they just can't get a game and you're squeezed for salary cap space. Then you go to a team that offers that, and you know Markov will obviously have a much larger role with Gold Coast than he did with Richmond. Now, whether he is going to be at an elite level, I 
Probably not, but he's, can, he, can he be a good player? Can he be a contributing player to that team? Absolutely, and giving up that future third-round pick is a, is a pretty strong move, I think, here from the Sun. So, so good on them, and it's also good that the fact that he wanted to go there, and that's something we've talked about so much, and people are, every every one of these expansion teams will die if there wasn't compensation and all that sort of stuff. We're, we're seeing players. They're not the elite players. That, that's fine. Jeremy Cameron's not choosing to go to Gold Coast, leaving from GWS. That's fine, but these are players saying, no, I want to go there. I want to go to these teams... I want to see what they can offer and becoming more, I don't want to say legitimate teams, but just teams who are considered on equal footing with other teams in the AFL, which is exactly what you want 10 years into an expansion where they're being you know, seen as somewhat as much of a destination as some of the other clubs. Yeah, future third rounder, uh, future picks always in, in teams' mind, in clubs' mind, across all sports, they seem to have a little less value because you don't actually have to take a hit uh, right this second. So the Suns have have traded uh, that pick, and who knows where that ends up being. You'd have to sit here and say right now, if you were trading Markov, would he be traded for a third-round pick? I highly doubt it. As I said, he's already 24. He's only played 23 games in four seasons. But this is the great unknown, and this is what we didn't know about Dan Butler last year. We didn't know that he was going to have that capability of playing to that level. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen to Jack Higgins when he moves aside, and we don't know what's going to happen with Markov. But a guy in the age bracket that fits the Suns and, and worth a shot, and uh, we'll see how this pans out. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth a shot. And some other deals going down involving the Giants. Yeah, expansion teams really getting in on the uh, on the trading because Zach Langdon, we knew that he was looking to head home to the, the, the Eagles. So he went from GWS for pick 54, which was then uh, quickly sent back to Western Australia to Fremantle so the Giants could get Jesse Hogan. So in the end, basically, it is like a three-team deal. Zach Langdon to the Eagles, Jesse Hogan to the Giants, and pick 54 goes to the Dockers. Now, we talked about that Hogan trade yesterday. Obviously, a horrible return, giving pick six and whatever it was, pick 30 for Hogan. Uh, and in the end, you get back two years of not much and pick 54. So we know it's a big loss, but hey, let's see what Hogan can do with GWS. They get something out of it. And uh, in the end, it's... You know, it's one of those you know sunk cost sort of things. Like we spent this much, like we're not expecting this back. Like, move on, let's just do something different. It's not working out, and making that decision. Once you've burnt that asset and burnt that value, you got to move on, and you got to try and do something uh, else. And I think that's that's fine. The Fremantle did that to me. The trade never stops though, because now you have to analyze pick fifty four. What happens yes. if they pick up an eight time All Australian with this, and you say, look, we took the long road to get here, but acquiring <laughs> Jesse Hogan. First of all, trading Lockie Neal, getting that pick six, trading for Jesse Hogan, putting up with two years of nothing, and then picking up pick 54, it becomes an eight-time All-Australian. It was worth it. It was worth trading Lockie Neal, even though he won a Brownlow medal. So the draft pick, they never end. The deals actually never end. You can keep uh, tracing them for as long as you want to. Zach Langdon, interesting. If you go back a couple of seasons ago, uh, 21 games in 2018 and kicked 21 goals. He was a goal-a-game player and then really fell out of the team in 2019 and uh, 2020, and he played 10 games combined. Again, a 24-year-old, uh, he will turn uh, 25. Uh, what the, what date is it? That? 13th of November. Well, not his birthday. So this is a little birthday present for him uh, to get back home to Western Australian. But uh, my big takeaway from this is lots of Langdons in the AFL. Is, is, that's your takeaway. There's lots of Langdons in the AFL. There are a few Langdons. Um, you, you, you're looking at the the Carl Langdon AFL uh, player tree going back to the the 80s yep. and old old Carl Langdon. Is that is that where it's all coming from? 
I'm not 100% sure, but Zach Langdon, I I don't have much of a takeaway on him and what we've seen the last two years because he's hardly played. So that was the first thing I thought, Langdon. Another Langdon getting moved around. They get shuffled around. Uh, We know uh, Ed Langdon obviously had a pretty decent season with Melbourne. We spoke about him a fair bit uh, on the podcast this year, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. For the Eagles, it's good for them uh, to get young talent into the, the club as well. We spoke about them as an aging list, and they've got sort of this age gap between the super young guys, when you talk about Oscar Allen and, and those types, and then you go, obviously, to the experienced midfield that they have, and Nick Nat, obviously, 30 now as well. So it's good for them to get some of that, that middle age bracket and a guy that uh, possibly can slot straight in. Don't forget uh, Tom Langdon the, for, Langdon. for yep. Collingwood. And, and another Langdon there. Plus, uh, if we're going to just talk Langdons, we've got uh, the, the, three Lang, the three Langdons, Kyle Langford and Dalton Langlands, just, uh, <laughs> and Darcy Lang. So there you go. That's what you all come to uh, Locked On AFL for. Jesse Hogan, we've talked a bit about how he could potentially work in that Giants forward line with uh, some of those guys like Himmelberg and Finlayson yeah, moving around and maybe creating a little bit of you know, him to him in that role, I guess, that suits him more rather than as a, a massive key forward target, a guy that can push up and, and maybe spread that load around. So it is, it's absolutely worth a gamble, I think. For a guy from GWS, yeah, Langdon wanted out. He wasn't playing anyway. Bring in Hogan. It's at almost zero cost for you. Uh, if it works out great, if it doesn't, oh well. Like we'll just see where it goes from here. But I think that that's a it's, it's a pretty no brainerish type, of, especially with a Jeremy Cameron sized hole in that forward line. Not that Hogan's filling it to that level, but hey, considering what you gave up, if you get fifty percent of that, sixty percent of that, then I think that that would be a win if he can get things back on track. It's very far from a guarantee that he does it, but I think it is at least at this point worth that worth that punt. But we have other things to talk about because there'll be more trades go down. We'll talk more trades. That's the three that happened um, yesterday. Um, but some talk around the uh, the preseason draft. Let's uh, let's hit it. Now, the pressure is placed on these teams <laughs> using the threat of the preseason draft like what happened with Gold Coast and Carlton and Jack Martin last year. And apparently a Brad Crouch using that threat to the Crows so that they would match or they wouldn't match the deal saying, well, if you match it, I'll just go to the preseason draft. And we talked about this the other day. Well, was this actually an option? If a contract gets matched, can you go into the preseason draft? Apparently you can, which again is ludicrous. It makes no sense. And so now that opens up an option for Jeremy Cameron to do that. Why the hell does this preseason draft even exist? (laughs) Yeah, I, I do understand, and and let me just say this, I, I enjoy using the stingers, so I had to find a way to squeeze this in, so the preseason draft was my target today uh, for Under Pressure, but I was thinking about this, and the preseason draft makes sense if they want to have some control over uh, delisted players and players that want a second chance. Personally, I believe, that, I believe it should just be open slather, and these players that aren't on a list can sign wherever they want to go and there's no real need why we need to have a draft order and do this officially but it's always the way they've gone so that's totally fine the big problem with this situation is and it obviously cropped up yesterday with crouch and the saints as you said is that in this situation when you bring in free agency it's kind of completely rendering the restricted free agents uh free agency process useless because even if the crows decided that they wanted to match this deal then you have the compensation there. Uh, so if they, they lose Crouch, then they get this pick, which is pick 23, as we've spoken about. 
But if they decide to match and then Crouch says, well, I know that you have the rights to me now because Restricted Free Agency says you do have the power to match this deal. Uh, I'm still not going to play with you. I'm just going to delist myself even though you've offered this contract and I'm going to go to the preseason draft and you're going to get absolutely nothing for me. And in this situation, it doesn't really make sense. And the Crows... You can say whether they should have gone down the path and said, we're going to match no matter what. But in that situation, given the way the system is built, it works against them in this scenario. They had to get pick 23. They were under the pressure. The Saints put them under the pressure, which we don't see a lot. And uh, the Crows wilted there and said, no, we we got to get something for this guy who doesn't want to be at our club. Last year, as you mentioned, mentioned Jack Martin and Carlton did the same thing. A little bit of a different scenario with St. Kilda. And this is what's really fascinating to me in this instance Carlton last year had the third pick in the preseason draft, only the Gold Coast, where Jack Martin was, and he wasn't going to play, were ahead of them and Melbourne, who then the salary came into it because if you decide you want to delist yourself, you can still say this is the contract that I'm getting and this is what I want to get paid. So that's where the salary comes into it. So Melbourne said, well, we're not paying you that if you don't want to play at our club. And Carlton rolled in and got this guy for absolutely nothing. I don't know what the Saints could have done because they made the finals. Their preseason draft pick, they would have had to get through 10 clubs before them. Perhaps the salary would have ruled out uh, the majority of those clubs anyway. But the whole situation is really bizarre. And as you mentioned, there is some scenario where the Cats could say to GWS, uh, we're not trading with you. And Cameron has already said, I'm not playing with GWS no matter what. I'll sit out a season if that's the case. And he went to the preseason draft and I don't understand why uh, that should be a possibility. It shouldn't be a possibility. It's as simple as that. The pre- look, if you get delisted by a club, you become a free agent and you can sign anywhere. But if your contract runs out, you can't. You have to then go into this restricted free agency process, which I understand the need for restricted free agency, even though it's done horribly in the AFL. But then if it's matched, what's, what's and you still don't have to go back to that team? Like, what's the, literally, what is, and it makes, you know, why teams have never matched before, because literally, what is the point? Because if a player, if you match the contract, GWS, we've matched you, Jeremy Cameron, we've got you back. And he goes, nah, you don't. And they go, oh, okay, fine then. Like, what's the point? Like, why, why are we bothered matching these contracts? Unless they, unless there's a, a player in a situation where he's legitimately in a spot where he's like, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sort of 50-50 between two teams. This offer, They offer me this. Fine, if you match it, I'll come back. You know, this, Or a ploy to get extra money out of it, whatever it is. But what, there is... There's literally no point to match if the players can just say, "Yeah, cool, that that's great," but I'm not, I'm not coming back anyway. I'm going to go through the draft at a different scenario. It, it makes zero sense that this thing is is a thing. If you are out of contract, if you are, uh, you know, a delisted free agent, whatever it is, it's it's it. You just go somewhere else. You shouldn't have to go into another draft. The, the presence of a preseason I think even the rookie draft is absolutely ridiculous it's there's one draft these guys that go on rookie list you just pick them and then when you run up your list space then the, the other guys go onto your rookie list I don't know why we have a separate draft for that. there's so much absolute unnecessary player movement restrictions that the AFL is putting in here and the preseason draft is number one it has to go it is the biggest non-event of all time and it is used just to confuse anybody with an element of common sense regarding player movement this is absolutely my bad for bringing up uh, <laughs> AFL systems again. So I apologize to the listeners here. I, I've set Josh off again. But let me ask you this question then because the Saints clearly used this tactic. Crouch was very, very open and honest about the fact he didn't want to play for St. Kilda. As far as we know, Fair Jeremy way. Cameron has done the exact same. Like I said, it's almost a local football situation where he's like, I'll literally not play next year if that's what I need to do. 
so the GWS have matched anyway. We all thought that this was exactly the right uh, path to go down, the right deal to go down. If the Cats, and, and to be honest, Geelong don't really have a history of being unfair to deal with. So my absolute expectation is that there will still be a trade and, and GWS will be compensated for Cameron and everything will be totally fine. But would you, if, if negotiations don't go well here, is there any chance that you can see this happening with Jeremy Cameron? Because, again, we always say, well, he would have to get to pick 15 in the preseason draft. There's no way 14 teams are going to let him go by them. But, again, if Cameron's come out and said, literally, I'm not playing for you next year. I'm not signing the contract with you guys. Our club's even going to bother going down this path. And this is where it gets kind of complicated and messy. I don't think it would be best for business for Geelong to do this. But it, you can't say that it's not it's at least a, a minor percentage chance that this could uh, go down this path if things really, really get messy. Yeah, look, it very well could go down this path. And I guess if in the end Cameron does, you know, the Giants have matched, there's no trade, Cameron says, I'm going in the preseason draft, and then he just says, I won't play for anyone else and ends up going to Geelong and they get him for free. In the end, maybe that's the fair result because, again, he's a free agent. Why should Geelong have to pay, have to pay up for guys? We're yeah. talking about going in, you know, pick 54 turns out to be an eight-time All-Australian and look how good our trade was eight years down the track. Look, it is the most <laughs> circuitous route possible, but maybe that is actually the right result in the end where someone you know, leaves that scenario. It could be the same thing. Like Essendon and Carlton, they don't want to deal with Adam Sart. He leaves, he goes in the preseason draft, he goes mm. to Carlton and, and he moves because his contract's up and they get him for free. Absolutely, that should be what... Is done. So maybe I'm maybe I'm softening on the preseason draft because the rest of the system is stupid. So maybe we just have this preseason draft where a player said, "Well, this is where I'm going. This is my um, pseudo free agency. Everyone else don't pick me." And then you get there without having to the pay up. You, you ignore compensation picks, um, and maybe it works that way. It is convoluted and which shouldn't be necessary. But if Geelong ends up getting Cameron through that route, um, maybe maybe it is actually the best result. Well, it shouldn't be. So, yes. So, so the funny thing about this is it does work with your theory in regards to unrestricted free agency. Yes. It shouldn't be a path for restricted free agency. That's true. That that, that should not be allowed. So, just to, to clear that no, up. So, that, it shouldn't actually true. be a situation that Cameron or Crouch were able to go down. But uh, when you look at a guy like Jack Martin and the season he had for Carlton this year, I mean, what a deal for the Blues. I know they're paying him a significant amount of money. Certainly this year, I think he earned about uh, $1 million. And we know the players took pay cuts, so it was probably a bit less than that. But $1 million this year, uh, they front-ended it because they had all this uh, solo cap space that we know is going to be taken up in the next couple of years. But the Blues, that's a deal. That's a steal. It's an unbelievable uh, thing that they got done last year in this period. Yeah, look, you're right about the restricted free agency thing. Look, my point is restricted free agency should be in after four years, and then there is that matchability. Yeah. And then if you get matched, you go back there for four or five years, and then you hit unrestricted. But yeah, in terms of um, the result, these guys have given eight years, nine years to their clubs. Um, they want to move clubs, and so so be it. Like you, you've had that investment, so to speak, in drafting and developing the player. That that's done. You, you, after eight years, it's it's cooked. Um, but it's going to be interesting because you, you see the messiness, you see some of this stuff that comes out when realistically it shouldn't end that the system creates this mess unnecessarily. What do you think will end up happening? Because Geelong has these three first-rounders, but there's talk that because they are so old that they are valuing these three first-rounders as a way to get some young players into the club and start to rebuild those stocks. Do you think that they're going to give up two of those to get Cameron? Like, how do you think that they will uh, approach this? Yeah, I think they probably will in the end. They might go with one and a younger player that 
that suits the Giants. Clearly, the difficulty that's going on right now is the Giants have said, well, uh, we're interested in uh, Radicalia or we're interested in Parfit. And not only are the Cats saying we want to keep these guys, but those players have just re-signed and they want to stay at Geelong as well. So it's it, that's the challenge here. It's not just Geelong uh, playing hardball with those guys. Those players don't want to leave either and they're under contract. So that's basically a no-go zone with the AFL. We know that. Uh, so I, I think they'll end up getting a deal done. And the Cats are probably going to acquire some other draft picks and some other deals that potentially could get done during the trade period. Um, we know Cockatoo they're, they're talking about. It's not a first-rounder, but it'll be some draft conversation as well. So I, I think the Cats will end up with Cameron. Like I said, I, I don't... Geelong generally get deals done, so I, I don't think that over the years they've been a particularly hard team uh, to deal with, and, and I think a trade will be done. I think Cameron will play with the Cats, and I still think that Geelong will have a, a decent draft haul when it's all said and done. A couple of first-rounders they might still have, or one first-rounder. Uh, they've got a second-rounder here as well, and potentially a couple of thirds, depending on what happens with, with Cockatoo as well. So I, I think it'll get done. It, it could get ugly if GWS really want to play hardball, but again, the system suggests that that's probably not in their best interest when the clock, uh, when the clock starts to tick down. All right, you know that I like bringing breaking news to you, Kane. But so some news has come through here. Um, let's. Cameron's got in the preseason draft. No, unbelievable. Not, not, not quite. But you know what? This is the <laughs> okay. the tweet here from uh, Sammy Edmund. Geelong phone calls are going straight to the GWS voicemail as of close of business yesterday. <laughs> not sure what the motivation for the silent treatment is, but the Giants have boarded up the house over Jeremy Cameron for now. Clock is ticking. I don't know what that means, but it's it's something at least. And then the other news, which is actually more news, and that is Kyle Hardigan has been traded from Adelaide to. Hawthorne for a future fourth round selection of course he was moving as a free agent because of the stupid system he has to be traded now because it would have affected compensation picks so Hardigan has been moved uh, from Adelaide to Hawthorne which we all knew was coming and they get a future fourth round pick back for that one so they are the two things that have just uh, just happened now um, over this last you know, minute or so so that's uh, you know, some news there but we do have other stuff to uh, to crack on with some other news so let's uh, let's talk about that now um Jack Stephen, we've we talked a lot about him this season about how he just he didn't look right at all. He looked you know, out of form, out of fitness. Obviously, the issues in the preseason, and now it's where is he at? Like, is his career done? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly became hard towards the end of the season to really see him getting into the Cats team, even if uh, he was healthy and he had soft tissue problems, he had hamstring issues. I think that this was clearly a result of a guy that wasn't in the best shape coming off. The COVID break, we know for for obvious reasons, there was there was stuff that went on. But uh, this is a guy. It's kind of a sad ending if this is the end for him because he's had a fantastic career with St Kilda. Clearly had some some off field, um, you know, mental struggles uh, along the way. And and I remember I was there when he, at his introductory press conference at Geelong, and he was so happy and and relieved to get back to Geelong and really try and make a good fist of getting his career back on track and. And playing some good footy for his local team, which is which is what it is. He's um, obviously grew up down the coast. The Cats didn't have to give up much to get him. It was essentially a three-team trade with uh, pick 58 and Zach Smith, the Gold Coast, and the Saints involved there. Zach Smith, the Cats gave up. He didn't play a game for the Suns this year, and his future is obviously in limbo as well. But you're right, never really got going. There was a game against Adelaide where the Cats actually struggled to win surprisingly but Stephen had 24 disposals and 11 tackles in that game and you got you did get a sense that if he was 100% healthy that he could at least be a valuable 
player in the midfield depth for the Cats. But uh, really, Geelong got the boost from a bunch of other players this year. Guthrie, Menegola, Parfit, as we've already mentioned. And and it really became obvious there was no uh, room for him. The Cats clearly would uh, free up some money if they can organize a deal with Jack Stephen here to to pay him out. And uh, like I said, I think it would be a sad ending for Stephen. He, he's been a really good player. Yeah, he has been, but he's clearly not that same guy at this point. And uh yeah, value has completely uh, completely tanked. So we'll watch that one, but it's not looking great at this point. We talked at length also this season about Brody Majacek and how the fact that he should be pretty annoyed at the fact that he's been rookied consistently and maybe he'd be looking for more money elsewhere. But he has re-signed with Collingwood on a three-year deal. I haven't seen terms of the money involved with it. It's obviously not a rookie deal, so that's uh, improving him there. But um, you know, their further their salary cap pain, they must be pretty confident of unloading a few blokes if they're uh, looking at a guy who is potentially getting squeezed here uh, coming in for a three-year deal when there surely would have been bigger money offers around for my check. Yeah, we haven't spoken about Jaden Stevenson a lot on this show this week, but it does sound like he might be a guy that's on the move from Collingwood, which would be a surprise, I think, to a lot of people because he's been a guy, although... He was down this year. He's been a guy that's been a, a big game player for the Pies and, and so young. Uh, he seemed like the type of guy Collingwood would want to keep around, but he might be on the move. And we know the Pies are uh, making a, a bunch of uh, inquiries, let's say that, regarding Trelaw and a number of other players. But Majacek really won them that final against West Coast. And for me, this was a situation, as we spoke about multiple times on the show, where Majacek had to get paid. He had to. He's in that age bracket. He's been a rookie the last couple of years. This is probably his one chance to get a three-year, potentially a four-year deal on decent money here. So uh, respect to him for hanging around at Collingwood if they were able to work out a deal. Because to be honest, the way things were going, it seemed to me that he was going to be a prime candidate to move on. But I don't think Collingwood can afford to lose him. As I said, he won him that final against West Coast and stood up on a team that was really struggling to kick goals all season long. Yeah, he he did. Um, I was, you know, I would be pretty keen to have gotten him down to the Bulldogs, to be honest, um, with with the sort of player that he is. But this is this is key for them. They are going to have to you know, find that space, and whether that is you know, any of those other players being moved on. But it is interesting, and it's good for him that he is there. And Collingwood fans should be pretty happy with that. Another deal done um, in terms of contract signing, Marty Gleeson with a one-year deal uh, to return to Essendon. He's a 26-year-old guy. hasn't played uh, hasn't even played 100 games yet. But he played 13 games this season, so he's back for another year for Essendon. Kind of interesting. He only got a one-year deal, yeah. uh, only 26 years old. And again, he has been a player that's been uh, kind of in and out, and he's had some injuries along the way. But when he's been healthy, he's basically been a regular in that team, provides decent run uh, from the back line there for the Bombers. So I'm a little bit surprised it's only a one-year deal, but uh, not surprised that he is hanging around. Yeah, not not really too much of a surprise. But the other big news, I guess, is Eddie Betts is playing on one more year for Carlton. He obviously is not the same Eddie Betts. No one would expect him to be, given uh, how long he's been in the game. But he still had enough serviceable moments. His um, you know, off-field uh, contributions to the team, obviously, are going to be pretty massive as well. He only, would he kick, 13 goals in, in 15 games this year. Uh, dished off another 12 with, with goal assists. I thought he was you know, useful enough. And at age, he's going to be 34 next season. He's played 330 games. You, know, you hope you can get him to 350 for this coming season. Betts is going to be um, one more year with Carlton, and you'd, you'd imagine that would be it for him. Yeah, six games where he didn't uh, kick a goal this year, if I'm doing that right. Seven games where he didn't kick a goal this year. So... Certainly, there were stretches where you were like, you know, I don't know if Eddie Betts is, is really contributing too much to this team right now. But having said that, 
I, I don't think that he was necessarily taking anyone's spot. And uh, at times, and yes, against uh, Geelong this year in particular, he won the game for them against your mob as well. He kicked four goals. So yeah. uh, Eddie Betts definitely tore up uh, our teams this year. And on his occasion, he can win you a game. I don't think there's any harm in him playing in this Carlton team next year. And uh, he's a fan favorite. The crowds will love it. I would have been sad. And we saw a number of players retire this year and they didn't get to really do it in front of their home fans. If Carlton fans get a chance to see Eddie next year, I'm sure uh, I'm sure it'll be a fun one for him. Yeah, so it's, it's great that he's back. We all uh, we all love Eddie and uh, what he brings to not only the, the game on the field, but but off the field and, and to the club. And to, look, but he's a legend at, at two clubs as well, which is not an easy thing to do. And yeah, no real animosity from either team. Which is again, it's so hard to do to have a guy like there wouldn't be one Adelaide person who'd be like, "Man, Eddie Betts, what a dickhead he left us," and there wouldn't be many Carlton people like, "Oh, Betts, what a wanker he left to Adelaide." Now he's back. Who's he think he is? I think everyone was just like, "Man, we, we love Eddie Betts. How good was it when those years that he played for our team?" And I think that's it's a pretty hard thing to do. No, yeah, he's much loved. The only the only people that don't like Eddie Betts is, as I suggested, when he's tearing up your team and kicking goals uh, out of his ass from the boundary line. But other than that. <laughs> When he's not playing against your team, it's hard not to like Eddie. Yep, it is hard not to like Eddie. Kane, it's hard for me not to like you as well. So thank you for coming back for another episode of Locked on AFL. Catch you tomorrow, man. Guys, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review as well. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Scott Hodges.